On this episode of the Loud Outs Podcast, Billy and I get into the drama coming out of St. Louis and their manager publicly calling out one of their players. Also in Chicago, Tim Anderson, feisty after a pitch clock violation. That and much more. The Loud Outs Podcast starts now. Welcome into the Lot Outs Podcast, CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborgs. Lots to get to today, Spilly, and I want to jump right in on a story that is, well, quite honestly, it's bugging me. It's kind of getting on my nerves here a little bit, and we oh, are taping yes. here on Wednesday morning. I like it when you morning. get mad. <laughs> and we're taping on a Wednesday morning, and this story is continuing. Um, th- no, Thursday. What is today? Thursday. I'm losing track of my days. Welcome today, to the it's season. Thursday. Yeah. Today is Thursday. Sorry. So for the Rockies. It's now Thursday morning, uh, and this story is still hanging out. Let's take it back to Tuesday. Tyler O'Neill of the St. Louis Cardinals is on second base. Uh, the Cardinals are trailing by a score of 4-1. to one. It's the seventh inning. Brendan Donovan hits a base hit to right field to Ronald Acuna, and Tyler O'Neill gets thrown out at home. Now, they end up losing that game by a final of 4-1, to one, but there were some fireworks after this game, and there was some real frustration on the part of Cardinals manager uh, Ali Marmol on the effort level, he was saying, of Tyler O'Neill. I went back and I watched this thing multiple times. Tyler O'Neill disputes the fact that he did not run particularly hard. He says, no, I ran hard. I took a tighter turn. Knew the guy had a good arm. Uh, it didn't work out. It is what it is. Um, but he wasn't up, He wasn't happy about it. And I went back and I watched this thing, Billy, and I had zero issue. I will tell you, I think there's a lot of lazy secondary leads in the game. It does happen sometimes. I get it's a long season. Sometimes you're not all the way there. We talk about base running. Uh, and how much it's as much of a mental game as is a physical, right? Your preparation and being ready to go every single time. I watched this multiple times from multiple angles. I had zero issue with Tyler O'Neill's effort here. When Ronald Acuna Jr. caught that ball, Tyler O'Neill was still three steps from third base. He had no chance. He had absolutely no chance of, you know, outside of a throw being errant. But what I'm bothered by is the idea that there would be a public conversation here and that his manager of the St. Louis Cardinals thought it would be a good idea and that it would make some sense to call him out publicly. Uh, I didn't sit well with Tyler O'Neill, understandably so. It's still carrying over here a couple of days later. O'Neill was sat on Wednesday. He did not play the next day. The Cardinals lost that one as well. They're not playing particularly good baseball right now, but I have some real concerns. If I'm in that clubhouse and all of a sudden now my manager is calling me out publicly for a disputed at best play on effort level, and quite honestly, I didn't see any issue with his effort at all. Oh, man, this one is good. This is like real baseball drama, and and like – it boils down to there's so many different parts about this conversation, which is first off, like if a if a manager has an issue with a player, do you do it behind closed doors or do you go to the media about it? In the case of Ollie Marmol, he's he was in the media. He says, hey, this is not how we play. Um, I. At times, I appreciate it, right? Like the, it's OK to call players out, especially if that's the, the message that you're wanting to send to the organization. It stinks to call out Tyler O'Neill, especially if you know he's a hard worker. Like I remember I had a manager, uh, a high school baseball coach, and I messed up. I was late to practice and he made a prime example out of me. He made a prime example out of me, Mm -hmm. but he also knew out of all the players that you could destroy. You know, I was at that time, I was the best player on the team, the B pot. um, And he like laid into me, right? Like you can't do this and blah, blah, blah. And he was right. I I shouldn't have been able to do it. And no matter what my excuse was, he was right. You know, I might've been, you know, talking to a a teacher lay, I forgot how the story went, but at the end he comes up to me and goes, listen, I had to make an example out of you because if, if you're the best player on the team and you work a certain way and I always worked hard, if I can call you out, 
it sets the example and tone for the rest of the team. Because if I'm getting, if I'm getting the best guy, or if I'm getting one of my hardest workers to have a level of accountability, then I can do it to anybody. So it doesn't matter if you're the best, if you're number one or you're number 26 on the roster. So in the case of Ali Marmo calling out a player that you know is a hard worker. I mean, you know Tyler O'Neill works his ass off. I mean, that's 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 the truth. And in O'Neill's case, after watching it back, I saw it too. I was like, man, you know, he comes around third base. He's somebody that that, you know, he he does rank near the top in sprint speed and and power and all these different things. Can you be, you know, can you look at this one specifically and say this guy was not giving his best effort? And I could not find a reason where I saw him not giving his best effort. So yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I, I mean, it did bother me. I also understand at this point of the season, if you're the Cardinals in the start that you've gotten off to, I mean, getting swept by Atlanta now, that's in hindsight. Uh, but you know, like, hey, we're gonna run everything hard. We are gonna, we're gonna do everything to this level. And if you feel like it's not at that hundred percent effort level on what you're capable of giving that day, then I don't find fault in calling him out. I do find fault in this one specifically, yeah, because there is no signs of Tyler O'Neill dogging it. This no. one did not look like Tyler O'Neill dogging it at all. Now, listen, his time from second to home, and I understand it's a little bit different based on the lead. But again, his secondary, his lead was good. His secondary lead was good. His jump off contact was all really good. 7.3 seconds for Tyler O'Neill, second to home. League average is 8.1. I mean, let's, we see guys dog it. We see guys hit a ball in the gap. That's an easy double. I'm not even going to think about a triple. And God forbid a guy bobbles the ball or takes a bad hop, and all of a sudden you don't go to third. You look like a fool. We see guys dog it down the first baseline. All of a sudden an infielder bobbles that ground ball. And he ends up trying to go fast at the end. It's too late. That's a bad luck. That is for sure that needs to be called out. I still don't think it needs to be called out publicly. You all see, you want to sit a guy down, you want to take him out of the game, go for it. Uh, But the idea at this, at 2023, that that was the right play on something that is so questionable anyway on the effort level, like I didn't see any issue. There was a half a second where he turned to his left. He knew exactly what was going on. And I say he turned to his left and looked at the throw to see how close the play was going to be and had a little more anxiety and tried to maybe even go a little bit harder. But there was zero issue with his effort level. I mean, if you're going to do something like this, you better make sure that you are 100% sure that guy did not run as hard as he possibly could. Or to take the frustration out on what's going on with this team right now, it's so early, two and four to start the season, I think is completely misguided. And you run the risk now, I think, of losing that clubhouse. We talk about that a lot. There's a real risk involved there for Ali Marmol right now uh, with this. And the whole, the, I know he goes the, the standard we have here, the Cardinal way. Come on, man. This is not the 60s. Like that stuff is over. And it's kind of nonsense. I played that system very briefly. I pitched terribly. I got to tell you, I didn't enjoy the stuff at all. And this is all the way back in 2002. <laughs> they were worried about everybody had to wear their socks high. You're only allowed to wear a red shirt underneath. Like it was all this uniformity nonsense and less focus on some of the baseball. You can't deny the success that this organization has had. But to throw that out there to me is foolish. Oh, we have a certain way of doing things here. There's 30 big league teams. They all have a way of doing things. There's nothing extra special about the way the St. Louis Cardinals do their thing. And I'm really starting to get concerned about a potential culture issue there. Potentially. Sure. I don't think it's there. Sure. Spilly, they had two coaches leave last year voluntarily. Jeff Albert and Mike Maddox left there voluntarily. Are things that great there that two coaches said, I want to go somewhere else? 
you know, the the the, the conversation first it made it seem like we thought they were let go, and we come to find out that you know one wanted to go do something else. Mike Maddox were thrilled to have him here in Texas. Maybe wanted to be a little bit closer to home. Whatever. I don't know. I didn't ask Mike about it. Um, I, I wouldn't do that and then come on here and, and, and try to bash the Cardinals at all. But when I, when I think about what's going on here and I think about two coaches leaving, it happened last year. Harrison Bader got called out. He took it pretty well, had to sit. It happens. But here we are two days later, and his manager is still sticking to this story on Thursday morning and saying that his effort level was not acceptable. That's crazy to me. I mean, we, we see so many guys pull up running. You're going to say that effort level wasn't good enough? It was a bad send, and it happened. Yeah, it was a bad sense. Okay. Tyler O'Neill was three steps from third base, and Ronald Acuna Jr. from average depth had the ball in his glove. That's a mistake. And you're not—you certainly would never, ever, ever would call your coach out on that, and you shouldn't, right? Your third base coach was a bad send, but that was a bad send in a situation where you're down by three. That was a bad send, and it took the tying run coming to home plate away. As you're what at the top of the order at that point. That was a bad set. Never call a coach out, but don't call a player out either unless he absolutely deserves it. Tyler O'Neill did not deserve that. So one as we were talking about sprint speed, I, I did look up Tyler O'Neill's sprint speed in the last couple of years. He ranks in the top 10. Uh, he's in the 97th percentile. This year, he's in the 81st percentile. His sprint speed is average foot per second which is not miles per hour. You have to remind, like yeah. nobody in baseball is running 30 miles per hour. They're not, the, no. that's like faster than Usain Bolt. Uh, it's about, you know, 18 to 21 miles per hour is like the fastest. And and then there's guys that are slow. In the case of O'Neill, he's down two feet per second this year in 2023. So maybe he might even be dealing, not only was it not lack of effort, maybe he's he's dealing with some sort of, you know, injury. Which makes it even worse. Yeah, you're gonna call out an injured player, uh, and I'm yeah. with you. I mean, there's times where I think the Cardinals' way has gotten in the way. I think there's been plenty of examples of players that don't fit the exact mold of Red, Red Shane Deese's his Cardinals' way, mm-hmm. and I mean that there's there's examples of Dolis Garcia in in Texas, Randy Rosarena, uh, Luke Voigt. You know, there there are players that have have left St. Louis and have had amazing careers elsewhere because they didn't fit the mold. Yeah. And, you know, I, I go back to and I think of Matt Carpenter when he first made his 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 impact with the Cardinals when he was younger. This guy was showing up to spring training at 4 a.m. before anybody, before the coaches or anything. And like, that's what they wanted. They're like, Oh, yeah, you see that? You see that? And of course, Carpenter ends up playing really, really well. But in a case. CJ, you and I both know that's eyewash. Mm-hmm. Showing up at 4 a.m. to spring training to impress the coaching staff is eyewash. Yeah. But it's also important, right? Like there's a fine line between am I doing everything necessary to put myself in a position to make a team physically, mentally, you know, my my craft. And is it and is are there players that are going above and beyond to make sure that the coaching staff likes them? Mm-hmm. And in the case of Matt Carpenter, he kind of joked about this. He was like, listen, my dad was a was a longtime coach. Uh, and, you know, he taught me, he was like, get to the field early. So I did. Yeah. And I got there before anybody. And it was a game. And so I, I'm with you. There's times where these thought processes are antiquated and they don't quite make a ton of sense. But I'm with you in, in this specific case with Tyler O'Neill. If it was a guy dogging it, call him out. 
But if it's in the case of O'Neal where he's not dogging it, and to your point, it's a coach making a bad send. And like Ronald Acuna, can we talk about that for a second? Acuna has the strongest arm in Redfield in baseball. The guy throws it 100 miles an hour. Yeah. You really want to run on, and if O'Neal was dealing with some sort of leg injury, which these numbers are kind of suggesting it, you're telling me a leg injury guy or somebody that's down a couple steps running on the league's best arm? Come on. Yeah. And then you're going to call him out for effort? It's crazy. I mean, it was a bad send, don't it? And I wouldn't even say it then. I would never say it publicly. It is what it is. It was a bad send in a bad spot in a situation where I think, if I'm not mistaken, Brendan Donovan was hitting the leadoff spot. Was he still hitting leadoff for them? Wherever they were, and maybe not in their lineup. I'm going to go look real quick. I don't want to mess that one up. Um, wherever they were in the lineup at their time, at the time, uh, where is he? Why can I not see this? Uh, anyway, looking for- oh, there he is. He's a pinch hitter. I take that back. So we pinch hit uh, in the ninth spot. So yeah, Tommy Edmund was coming up next. You're, you're flipping it over to the top of the lineup at that point, right? So you'd have the top of the lineup with the time run coming to play in the seventh inning. You had a bad send. You got to own it. And I, again, I wouldn't say it, but let's be honest about it. Uh, not a great look, I don't think, for their manager at all. And he's not going to backtrack. I mean, we're two days after, and he's still talking about the Cardinal way and lack of effort. And Tyler O'Neill was upset about it. He went back in and talked to him. He felt like he got ambushed by the media uh, after the manager had said something publicly. So we went back into the manager's office. And I think it's a mistake. I think it was a mistake um, by Marmol. I'd like to see him own it. He's probably not going to. But please stop telling us about the Cardinal way. Yeah, it's been a really good organization. Those days are over, man. This is not They're not doing anything different than anybody else is right now. They're not holding their players to a standard. If this is the standard, it's actually a standard you can't live up to because the guy ran hard. And don't forget, Spilly, left hamstring injury last year for him. How many guys have we seen he missed time? How many guys are missed time because of injuries and their teams have told them to take it easy? Houston, all, like all the guys that have gotten hurt in Houston, watch those guys run to first on a routine ground ball. That's by design. Yeah, the White Sox, the White Sox yeah. a year ago with Larusa because he had all these guys were banged up. They were it's not they laziness, were like six X in nineties. Yeah, I'm not saying you can't run hard and you're supposed to run hard in the big spots. He did, but he did have a hamstring injury a year ago. It was a bad send. Uh, just own it. They're not playing great baseball. We start blaming your players, and they're actually doing what it looks like they're supposed to do. Uh, not a bad look, not a good look, excuse me. And I think it's uh, something I'd be concerned about. I get it taken care of pretty quickly. But so far, uh, Ali Marmol has dug his heels in here uh, and is not backing down from his opinion uh, that Tyler O'Neill did not hustle. I'm not buying it. All right, let's get into some other stories here um, around the league. Uh, we saw a couple of ejections because of the pitch clocks, Billy. Uh, unbelievable. Tim Anderson was really upset. We had two over the last uh, couple of days. Tim Anderson, first of all, uh, we saw him with the Chicago White Sox. Not very happy with Brandon Webb. Uh, he looked up in plenty of time. I want to say there was about 11 Logan, seconds Logan left Webb. on the clock. Brandon, oh, me, Logan Brandon Webb, Webb is retired. Spilly, Logan, I will Logan do that Webb. till the end of time. I will. I can't. I every single every because they're both got great sinkers. All right. Either way, um, of course, Logan Webb of the San Francisco Giants. Tim Anderson is hitting, and he. Uh, is up. He's ready. He's got his eyes up. It's a, I believe it was a one-two count. And then pretty much as soon as he looked up, you could probably count to one. Might have been like one second and pitched. And it did not, at least at that moment, get called as a quick pitch. There is a, a second in there where, where a home plate umpire is going to make sure that as soon as the guy looks up, you're not throwing the pitch right away. Like they don't believe that that should happen. So Tim Anderson looked up. It's about a second in there, a beat or so. Logan Webb starts his delivery. Tim Anderson puts his hand up, steps out of the box. He put his hand up, assuming he was going to get timeout. He did not get timeout. The, the pitch was a strike. He got rung up on strikes and then eventually argued and got kicked out of the game. Uh, what would you think of that one in particular? It was tough timing. I mean, there, you could argue that there should have been another second in there. Uh, Tim Anderson was not happy. I believe he was also yelling at Logan Webb after the fact. It got pretty heated uh, there because he didn't like the move. Um, and I get it. If I'm a hitter, like, hey, you want to face me? Just give me a chance to get ready and face me. 
don't try to be sneaky. And like a half a second after I look up, you're trying to throw a pitch in. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say what he said, or I'm not positive what he said, but I, somewhere along the lines, like that's a bitch move. So he didn't say that, but I think that's what the, the, um, oh, that's, basic... a, that's exactly what he said. Oh, I he mean, did say that? Like, oh, okay. I thought it was something like that. I, I, I want to say in this case with Tim Anderson, he's not wrong in being upset with getting quick pitch. I think there's a lot of players that are, that are doing this right now. They're, you know, it's one thing that you're dealing with the clock in it. Yeah. And like, I have some issues with the clock and I think there needs to be some adjustments and I, and I have a couple suggestions in a second, but it's another to, you know, like gamesmanship is important. We know major leaguers at this high of a level are going to take every corner that they can, right? Max Scherzer is going to try to find every edge. Uh, I see it with Kyle Freeland. Freeland has a pitch calm. He's throwing a pitch setting in the signal of what he wants already next after the catcher hasn't even thrown the baseball back. That's how fast he's going. So he's throwing a pitch. He sees a reaction slider down and in really, he goes really quick, puts his hand up. By the time he gets the ball, he has already given the sign of what's coming and he's waiting there. So as soon as you start the clock, he could pitch at 15 seconds and like multiple times, umpire's like, hold on, man. Yeah. Like cut it out. And he's doing it on purpose. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with Logan Webb, which is not in the spirit of the rule. The the rule shouldn't be that the, the that the pitcher is is trying to throw a pitch every one second. That's not cool. And so Anderson asking for time because look, like this is this is not the spirit of the rule. Come on, man. Yeah. Like this guy's really come on. Like this, it's one thing to be rushed. Like I faced mm -hmm. Cliff Lee and Mark Burley, and these guys were like working really fast. These guys are doing it on purpose with the pitch timer, and they yeah. know it. They know it. So this ain't cool. And no. I'm with T Tim Anderson on this one. Like, hey, dude, cut the crap out. Come on. Yeah. Like, seriously, you're gonna do this? Like, yeah. you want to battle? And I'm with you. You want to battle this battle, but yeah. not not to where you're 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 trimming the margins to really gain an advantage on a rule that the spirit of the rule is being manipulated. So yeah, mm. I'm with you. T Tim Anderson should have. Should have said something. <laughs> and again, I guess if you back me up and say that's what he said, I, I was kind of reading lips and watching and kind of watching highlights and trying to figure it out. To some degree, it's almost like you're challenging the pitcher, like you're too scared to let me get ready. Like you're going to try to quick pitch me and rush me instead of just going kind of, you know, mano a mano here. And I think that's probably a fair way to look at it. If you're Tim Anderson, you know, pitching is all about disrupting timing. It's, it's the core of it when it's all said and done, whatever, whether it's just the speed of your delivery, the tempo in between them, of course, the speed and the break of your pitches. And I get it. Listen, why not take advantage of it? If you're a pitcher, it's within the rules. Major League Baseball is going to have to take a close look at this one because I've wondered about this. I've wondered about timeouts. I think I asked you about this already, uh, maybe when we did the show on Tuesday. But it is it is it automatic that every time a hitter puts his hand up, he gets the timeout regardless of what's going on with the delivery, right? Should he get it? Or is it that same set of rules that we've had or the kind of unwritten rules in the sense of where it's the umpire's discretion of whether or not he's going to give you timeout. If he feels like it's too close to a pitch being delivered or feels like that pitcher's about to start the motion, then he doesn't give you a timeout. Well, now you actually have an official timeout as a hitter. Should you get it no matter what? Or is it once the pitcher's delivery starts, you can't call timeout? Because you only have one. If they're going to be able to play that game, then why can't you play that game, right? Logan Webb takes his first step back, his first movement. Can you call timeout and get timeout? Probably not. Maybe you should be able to get it in that spot. This one has been really tricky because, you know, it's like, a, a again, there's like the, there, there's a part of this has been hypocritical uh, where 
an umpire can bang a guy for a violation right at zero. And, and when the pitcher's in the, in the motion, like the umpire is like jumping out of the way. And that already like really ticks off a pitcher. Once you start your motion, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've done it. You start, I start my motion. You call timeout, especially if I, if you're a guy that doesn't look and they're about to deliver a pitch and they have to stop. Like that's, I've never seen somebody get hurt, but it's frustrating, right? The ball goes off the backstop. And so if the umpire is capable of doing that and the umpire say, Hey, wait, 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 we can't do it. When a position player is asking for time and they get one time out, mm-hmm. I think it's a bad look. Yeah. So uh, like I, I, I'm having a problem with the timeouts first and foremost. One of my suggestions is each hitter gets a timeout and every base run like not every base runner but a base so depending on how many base runners are on base mm-hmm. gets a timeout per at bat so let's say in the case of Pete Alonso the other day he was running on a 3-2 count and he was coming back and they started the clock and and there was a violation on Jeff McNeil dude yeah. that needs to be either an umpire's discretion like hold on yeah. it was on Pete Alonso but oh, but right. McNeil got dinged and the right. count went 0 and 2 because of it so exactly. So on this in this case, like the umpire should have the hold on, uh, or if a if a if a base runner is like wait timeout and it doesn't it shouldn't count against the hitter, mm-hmm. just count it against the the runners one yep. time. Per I mean, and and do you do it per inning or per bat? I I would do per bat because if a guy slide like I stole second base one time and I I was like I would wear the uh, I would wear a jock mm-hmm. on occasion. And I, I dove head first and I came in on that thing hard. It went in like, <laughs> it, it hit me in a place where I didn't even know, like I could yeah. feel that. And I, I like, it took me a second to like, you know, get my breath yeah. back and, and recover. Yep. If that happens to a big leaguer right now and, and the guy's at second base because his, his jock went in a part where he's not supposed to, he's not allowed to call timeout for himself. It goes against the hitter. Yeah. Like that's stupid. Yep. That's I'm with stupid. You. If there's a slide, if you've been running, a, you know, I don't know what, maybe some kind of criteria more than once, or if you're in motion from first, you're in a passing second base, like give that guy some time. We've seen a couple of long at bats. I saw yesterday in the Ranger game or on when, I guess it was, I'm losing track of my days on Wednesday. And you think about being on first base, you're running with a full count three or four times. There's foul balls. You keep going back. Like you need a moment to catch your breath. And so I'm with you on that one. So we listen, we continue to work through this. I mentioned it before. Did talk to Rob Bamford opening day. We had him in the booth and he did mention that uh, they're keeping an eye on everything and constant contact uh, with everybody involved and making sure that uh, they have all the information they need to make any potential adjustments uh, necessary. The Manny Machado ejection that we saw with the San Diego Padres, he was in a situation where the clock had gotten down to eight. He had his timeout. He thought he could use it. They said it was too late. He got rung up on strikes. He was upset about it and argued with the home plate umpire and got ejected from the game because of it. Now, ironically, uh, Nelson Cruz went into a spot and hit a home run, which was kind of cool to see Nelson Cruz get his first home run of the year as he slid into that DH spot. But the bigger point there, of course, with Manny Machado. Now, this one was close on the time. Like he looked up, he realized it was getting close to eight and it was at eight and he raised his hand at eight. And that wasn't good enough because if you look at the actual the way that the rules um, read is there's nine and then there's eight. You know what I mean? As far as nine seconds, like getting for the catcher to be in there for everyone to kind of be ready to go and then engaged by eight. Um, and I think that was one of those ones where Manny, unfortunately, based on the rules, was a tick too late 
in asking for time where he felt like it would have been an automatic time and worried about getting quick quick pitched in that spot uh, and instead got rung up on strikes. Uh, so let me ask, are you okay? So I think this one is 100% needs to be adju- adjusted. So number one, one pitcher, one hitter timeout per bat, a base runner timeout per bat. I mean, d- depending on the situation, umpire discretion. I'd like to see the violation time frame adjust. I'd like to see it go from eight seconds, seven, eight seconds to five seconds. I, I just want it. The spirit of the rule is, is to try to keep these, these pitches between 15 seconds. Mm. And unfortunately that's not the case. I'm seeing more guys throwing pitches at eight and seven seconds. than I am seeing them at two or one mm. uh, on the pitch timer, which is telling you that's, that's not, that's not right. That's that's a pitch every seven seconds. So if you were to lower the criteria and get it down to five seconds, now you probably have the space of 10 seconds in between pitches and you probably have hitters not getting the violation. Now, what's interesting is that pitchers have had more violations than hitters. There, there really hasn't been that many violations from the hitter standpoint, but that extra three seconds is speeding up the game to where these pitchers are manipulating. Going back to what we said with Logan Webb. So I'd like to see, and, and that's not a massive adjustment. That's not something that's should be, you know, like oh, we can't do that. No, adjust it down to five seconds. Mm-hmm. Most hitters are already in the box, engaged at eight, where they're getting dinged is when they're looking up, and it's at seven. That's like ah, hey, hey, hey. there's still seven seconds remaining before a pitch can be thrown. Like what the hell's the problem? Get it? Like I'm seven seconds before a pitch is getting thrown in the box. Looking up ish. Seriously? Like yeah. that's so it's it's a pitch every eight seconds? Duh. This is like that's the part where like, okay, common sense says five, like do it with five or do it with three. Three would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Three would be perfect. You know, like so yeah. that way the hitter can actually stay and slow slow it down a little bit. He mm-hmm. could. I could actually keep my foot outside the box until five seconds and then bang like i could i could get ready to hit Mm -hmm. that would be that's ideal because now you got the now we're talking 12 seconds in between pitches which is should be that's a much better pace that is a normal like realistic tempo yeah otherwise the original rule was 12 seconds well that we never enforced yeah the fastest pitcher by tempo by pitch tempo a year ago a year ago you want to make a guess who it is uh i don't remember off the top of my head it's Brent Suter. I would not Brent have Brent Suter last season in 2022 pre-pitch rules, uh, uh-huh. pre-pitch timer was at 12.6 seconds. And that was the fastest. Okay, and that's on the, the baseball uh, savant tempo stuff that they have. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. So my point is, in, even with the fastest guy in baseball last year, it mm-hmm. was 12.6 seconds with nobody on base. Yeah. And, and now my guess is because they haven't updated the, the pitch timer uh, on baseball savant. My guess is you'll have somebody like Kyle Freeland is going to be number one, or at least pretty damn close to it. Brent Suter's on the Rockies too. And these guys are going to be throwing pitches seven seconds, which is not the spirit. That mm. is not the spirit of the rule. Yeah. That's wild, man. Have we, do they, have they not updated yet? They haven't updated yet for 23. Uh, I noticed, which is weird. I mean, we're far enough in. I'd like to know. I realize we've only been through rotations once uh, so far. But yeah, that's pretty incredible 
um, to see. And there's definitely some things going on here, man. Like, it's been nice. The quick games have been great. Two hours, 19 minutes for me yesterday between the Baltimore Orioles and the Texas Rangers, a 5-2 to two final. I want to get into that game because uh, Jacob DeGrom was great, picked up his first win as a Ranger, punched out 11, ran into a little bit of trouble, bounced back really nicely. He had an inning where he struck out the side on pitches that ended at 99, 99, and 100. Uh, that was fun to watch. He had another inning where he struck out the side on all sliders. Um, so pretty cool stuff from uh, Jacob DeGrom. But this was about Grayson Rodriguez, who ended up getting his first big league start. Now, it was not intended this way. He did not have a very good spring training. They were hoping he was going to make the team. He didn't. Uh, but what happened in the beginning of this series, Kyle Bradish got hit with a liner back uh, when he was pitching in the second inning, got knocked out. Tyler Wells volunteered his services to go down to the bullpen. And he did that because that. their bullpen was waxed. Like they just had a rough go of it. Uh, in Boston, they were they were light on what they had available. All of a sudden, they needed to get into the bullpen uh, in the second inning. He stepped up. He threw five no-hit innings. He was fantastic in that game and earning all kinds of street cred uh, pretty much for the rest of his career in a Baltimore Orioles uniform, which was cool to see. But that meant that they needed another starter because he was supposed to start Tuesday. They moved Kyle Gibson up to Tuesday, which means they needed a starter for Wednesday. That starter ended up being... Grayson Rodriguez. And it's interesting because, again, they didn't feel like he was ready uh, to start the season. And the things that we had heard, some command issues, some other things that were going on, certainly came to fruition in the first inning. 30 pitches for him in that first inning, but he settled down really nicely and looked good. I and mean, we saw fastball 96, 97. He kind of runs the full gambit on the off speed pitches, uh, but it was an impressive outing. And you could see why this guy's the top pitching prospect. In baseball, he got a no decision. It was five innings at the end of the day, uh, two runs, but those two runs all came uh, in the first inning. And the pitch count, I mentioned 30. He ended up finishing with 83, so he was very efficient after that. 11, 11, 18, and 13, the next four innings as far as the pitch count went. It was a good debut. It'll be interesting to see how long they keep him around and what this looks like. But the top prospect in baseball was on display in Texas last night for the Orioles, or yesterday. You know, one of the criticisms of Baltimore is that they didn't do enough in the offseason, and I still stand by it, mm -hmm. uh, especially with the American League East looking the way it does. I mean, Tampa is not going to lose a game ever. Uh, but when you do see a Grayson Rodriguez come up to the big leagues and pitch like that, you understand the depth of the system and beyond the depth, you know, John Means is coming back um, a little bit later on in the year, and he, that was mm -hmm. like a lone all-star from two seasons ago. Okay, like I'm starting to see, okay, like I, I see why Mike Elias and, and Baltimore didn't kind of push, uh, maybe go for a Carlos Rodon type, you know, front of the rotation. I still think they, they missed. I still think they could have added. But you're, to your point is when you see somebody that is that talented and then they're throwing strikes at the major league level, that that really is the the separator. You know, you can tell me it's stuff. It's not stuff. It's throwing mm. your ability to throw strikes. You have to throw strikes with multiple pitches at, at the major league level to be successful. Baltimore, okay, all right. Like I could, I can see, I can see the direction. I'm not, I'm not like ecstatic about the missed opportunities of the off season. I don't think it. I think at the end of this year, if they are a postseason team, I can walk it back. But as of right now based on what I have seen with Baltimore, they should have still added. That is yeah. still my stance when I see it. It's like, damn, like you guys had a chance, man. Like, look at this. I know, but let me ask and you this you question. Along those lines, and I'm with you, I had, we had the same conversation all offseason long. Which position player would you take playing time away from right now? Cedric Mullins, Adley Rutschman, Anthony Santander, Ryan Mountcastle, Gunnar Henderson, Austin Hayes, Ramon Arias, and then Gunnar Henderson will play third sometimes. 
uh, Adam Frazier, Jorge Mateo. Who would you replace in that lineup? That's actually gonna that's better for you long term. Yeah, I'm not worried about the. I mean, if I yeah. if I had one, it would have been a it would have been a designated hitter type player. It would yeah. have been a DH. That that would have been my my spot. I would have had a, you know, I'm not looking for a Nelson Cruz, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, I I maybe you take a shot on the Michael Conforto. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a better. Maybe Conforto would have been a nice fit in Baltimore because there was some wiggle room there. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a starter. I would have liked to have seen a veteran like a Tyler Anderson mm. would have been a nice fit in Baltimore to yeah. go with Jarvis. Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin is where they went. That Those were the ads. Yeah, yeah, they got some the arms. Cooler, That's the thing. They got some arms, man. That's the thing. We'll see. I don't we'll know. I'm, I mean, I'm like, with you the whole way. If I, if I was going to do anything, I'll probably DH is a good spot. Maybe add to that. Have added to the pen just in case you're winning. And if not, those are easy trades come deadline time. What they did with their bullpen last year and kind of getting guys off the scrap heap and the production they got was incredible. And I thought, you know, that to me would have been the spot because you could still do what you're doing right now, which is giving all these young players, both starters and position players, their time to develop. Uh, But if you were winning, then the bullpen, which helped for them in a big way last year. By the way, they got to get Adley Rutschman done. The longer they wait, the harder it's going to become. To me, Corbin Carroll is a jumping off point for that contract right now. That's where you start. You're not getting him below that. And so you're up over $100 million very easily if it's eight years, like eight and 130, 140. I don't know if he's interested, but you don't wait. The longer you wait, the more expensive it gets. And hopefully they're at least thinking about trying to engage. It's really just a couple of minutes left here. I want to get to one kind of feel good story, which was good to see. And that's that Liam Hendricks and the treatment yeah. for the non Hodgkin's lymphoma. He finished his final treatment. I had a nice message on social media. Uh, really encouraging. Uh, I I can't wait till we see him back. I also can't wait to see if, for a guy that's brought so much emotion to the table and what he has done. How, if any way, this may will change him uh, in the future. Of course, you have things that scare you in life, and maybe you have a different outlook on life. Not that he uh, didn't have a good one, uh, but I look forward to that part as well. He's been a tremendous example, but just a really good news that we got uh, that Liam Hendricks has, has finished his final treatment, got to ring the bell, and uh, now counting down the days until we see him in a White Sox uniform again. It's so good. And it's also, I mean, it's, it's a stark reminder of, you know, making sure if you're, if you're listening to go get your health check, make sure you do your routine uh, doctor's appointment in the case of Hendricks, you know, like <laughs> he's able to do this because he's a baseball player during baseball season and they're constantly routinely getting checked. Uh, I think of, of um, there's so many guys in major league baseball that have dealt with a form of cancer. You can go from John Lesser, Chad Bettis, James Tyone, guys that are still in there. Tim Hill uh, had colon cancer when he was in the minor league system pitches for uh, the San Diego Padres last season. We saw it um, with, uh, uh, with, 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 a with a couple other guys who is, who is uh, I'm blanking on uh, with Baltimore. Gosh. Um, Forget, forgetting our first ba- first baseman, he's he was was with Baltimore forever. God, oh Trey Mancini, Trey Mancini, yeah, uh, Mancini, and now Liam Hendricks. So it's, I mean, it's it gets you like frustrated yeah. when you think about, uh, you know, how many people out there have dealt with or have gone with, uh, you know, cancer and deal deal with treatment. And we still don't have a hundred percent, you know, cures for for everybody because it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking when you think about it. Uh, it certainly is, but some good news there uh, for him, and we look forward to those kind of next steps and when we get to see him back in a big league uniform and on the mound. 
Uh, once again, we appreciate you guys listening to the Loud Outs podcast. Make sure you subscribe and make sure you share. This is like the insider's favorite podcast. That's what I'm starting to hear now around the game, Spilly. And we're just getting started. Been a fun week so far here at Major League Baseball, and we got a lot to get to over the course of the rest of the season. Have a great day, everybody. Serious XM Podcasts.